So we're in Malachi, and uh, we started this uh, uh, almost a month ago, and uh, we're, we've only done one little section of it so far. So let me just give us a quick recap so that we know where we are. First of all, where in time does this actually occur? Oh, yes. Old Testament is correct. So let's just, I'll run you through and see if we can, we can quickly get through the Old Testament and we'll get right up to the end of it here. So um, Old Testament starts with Genesis, so I think we get most of that. At the end of Genesis, they're in Egypt, they're stuck in Egypt. So we've got Moses escaping from Egypt, Joshua getting to the promised land. They get to the promised land this is a very fast summary, by the way. <laughs> they have judges that are ruling. They have some kings that are ruling. They have King Saul. They have King David. They have King Solomon. This doesn't last very long. <laughs> the kingdom is split into pieces. Things are starting to fall apart. They are uh, taken into Babylonian captivity shortly afterwards. Um, so there's, there's already a lot of stuff that's going on that doesn't feel great. You know, they got, they got captured in Egypt they, got, um, uh, they, they finally got to the promised land. The kingdom starts falling apart. They get uh, captured again by Babylon. That, uh, eventually, that ends, that Babylon activity, uh, captivity ends, and they're allowed to return home. And then we, we get to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is where um, they're going to rebuild Jerusalem. Everyone's really excited about this. We're gonna we're gonna actually do this because the, the Jerusalem has been the the walls have been destroyed, the temple has been destroyed. We've got all this problem with Jerusalem. Nehemiah has this burden to go back and get it rebuilt, and he, with the help of all with all the people, they go and they rebuild Jerusalem. And when they do that, they have high hopes that finally, after all this time, things are going to start going well for us. And Malachi comes on the scene and gives us a little sneak peek of how are things going? How are things going? Is after all of this, is everyone now being 100% faithful and everyone's doing well? Um, and that, that's what we get to explore here. So that's, that's where we end up here, Malachi. But then the other question is, what hasn't happened yet? Okay, We got all the way through the Old Testament. We're at the old, end of the Old Testament, Malachi. What hasn't happened yet? Well, Greece is going to conquer Jerusalem in th uh, about 300 B.C. Then Rome is going to take over in about 60 B.C. Um, and then something really spectacular is about to happen right in that same area, but I won't get into that. That's a whole different testament. We'll get into that, I'm sure, in other lessons. But as we're getting closer and closer to that 0 B.C. to 30 uh, A.D., things are getting real, real exciting. But from this time forward, Malachi, they just got into Jerusalem. Everything is uh, supposed to be going well. It's not. Jerusalem gets conquered by Greece. That's Alexander the Great does that. It gets conquered by Rome. And that Roman rule is going on when we, uh, we hit the next important thing that's going to happen, but we won't talk about that tonight. Um, so the prophets. Um, the prophets wrote before, during, and after that captivity. And Malachi is one that is the after the captivity one. Um, so Malachi is the last one. <clears throat> and when we start to hear these, this conversation and kind of the state of how the spiritual life of the, the people are here in Jerusalem, I got to say, as we start getting into this, it's going to feel like, boy, this is a rough way to end a testament. <laughs> you know, we're going to be like, this is the final word, but I, I, I guarantee that there is some hope. There's some hope here, and there's some hope that we especially get into right as we get to the finish line of this chunk of the Bible. We will, we will get there. Um, but it's, uh, at this point, it seems like a very depressing way to end uh, a testament. So let's just talk about, let's recap what happened last time. I'm going to recap it in about 15 seconds. Last time, God said, I love you. And the people said, really? Where is your love for us? Where is this love for us? And God answers them, and then he goes on to say, 
you know, since you brought it up, where, where's your love for me? Where's your love for me? And that's where he comes into this next section right here. So the, the people were asking, God, tell us how you've loved us. And he, then he turns it around on them, and that's where we get to our section. Um, how have you loved me? Um, so we're in Malachi 1. We're um, taking the chunk from verses 6 to 11. And this is, um, this is what it says. Malachi 1, 6 to 11, it says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's my honor? And if I be a master, where's my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, and despise my name. And you say, where have ye, we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious to us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut, shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, said the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even until the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's uh, pray again. Dear God, we just... Thank you again for this time. We thank you as we look into your word um, that you've, uh, you've provided this for us, Lord. Uh, it has context for the, the folks that were there in uh, Jerusalem and who were not acting as they should, Lord. But it also tells us a lot about your, um, your character, what you are worthy of, Lord, um, and also what we are prone to do to, uh, to give you things that are second best and to not always provide you with the things that you, uh, you righteously deserve. Um, we pray that you would help to be working in our hearts as we go through uh, this short passage tonight, um, that we would understand what it says, we'd understand the context of how people understood it, but also that we would, uh, we would be seeking to find ways to, uh, to please you, Lord, in our lives as well. We thank you for all you do for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, I want to do things just a little different um, as far as the format goes. I'm going to read the verse. I'm going to make some brief comments, which you may or may not feel are brief to me. They, they, they seem brief, maybe compared to Pastor Dan. They are brief. Um, and I'll pr provide a cross-reference or two. Um, and then I'm going to ask if, after every verse, I'm going to ask if anyone has any thoughts to share. And then... This is, this is the part that I thought would be fun. I, I asked um, ChatGPT to spin up some artificial intelligence-generated questions uh, based on this passage, and then I wanted to present them to you, and just let's see what we as a team can come up with to address some of those uh, questions. So if you, if you don't know what ChatGPT is, um, I was thinking of a number of different ways to describe it, and it's, it's kind of like Facebook if like, nobody was on Facebook, and there was just one person, and that person was a robot pretending to be a human. That, 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 that would be what chat GPT is. Um, it's one of these art artificial intelligence things. If you haven't heard of it, or if you haven't watched the movie Terminator, I wouldn't worry about it at all. I just, it's probably not going to be a big thing. We don't have to even think about it. Um, but anyway, so I asked for a little bit of help to come up with some thought-provoking questions. Um, so... Uh, let's just go back. I'm going to give you again my quick recap of what we just read. It, um, God asks, why aren't they showing love, respect, honor to him? And the people said, what are you talking about? And God said, well, let me start with these, these lame sacrifices. Um, you wouldn't offer them to anyone else, but you would expect me to accept them? And then he asks, why hasn't anyone stopped this? These sacrifices do nothing for me, okay? So that's, that's the overall context. But let's go back and look at verse 6. It says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. 
If then I be a father, where's my honor? And if I be a master, where's my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. <clears throat> so in this verse, you know, he's, he's, just, he's just asking. He's saying, look, this is not even something about being a deity to uh, to uh, the, the a creator, to the created. This is even just in the relationships that we would normally have is that if uh, a son honors his father and a master and, and somebody else will, to honor their master, you don't even do that. I'm not, I'm not getting that from you. Um, and in Luke 6, 46, it says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and, and don't do the things that I say? That's, uh, so that's, that's what he's challenging them with, right? Um, he's saying, look, if you're not honoring me in the things that you're doing, then why do you even bother? Why do you even bother calling me, uh, calling me your Lord? Why do you call me um, the, the, the Lord of hosts? Um, so... Any, any initial thoughts on verse 6? Any initial thoughts on verse 6? There's going to be more to come here. Yes, Bruce. I just love that Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. the name for God. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts this verse? Okay, let's see what the first uh, question from our, from our chat bot came up with. Um, what does it mean to honor God with our sacrifices and offerings? And how do we do this today? What does it mean to honor God with our sacrifices and offerings? So the things that we might do as uh, to, to demonstrate the fact that we are trying to give honor to God, is there... Any examples of what we do to do that today? Our walk with the Lord. Yes. How else do we honor God with our sacrifices and offerings? Yeah, Justin. Yeah, Justin. These are great, and I, 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 th- I think of all these, and I think of, well, how does, uh, it brings honor to God, and we've, we've said it a, a number of times in here, but it, kind of with the attitude that we, 
that that we pre present it right to is we can we can do all of these things and then there there are ways that we could do let's say that somebody had a, a lot of money and they decided to give half of it and but they were doing it to make themselves feel good make themselves look good have something built in their name have something or you know something go on that was bringing honor to themselves rather than than to god and it comes to that that spirit and that 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 comes from that can also be people who are using their their talents um, and let's just say it was somebody like me trying to do uh, leading worship if was in a spirit of I would like people to be looking at me and to to um, kind of show off show off my talents or whatever if that was a spirit that I brought forward with it that wouldn't be honoring to God but coming with some of that humility and some of that humble spirit I think um, is and the acknowledging the fact that these these gifts these things that are brought to the altar as Justin was just saying were never really ours to begin with these are just us bringing stuff back as an acknowledgement of the fact that these things came from God. These all belong to God uh, as well. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Right. Yes. Right, and I think that's the first the first question that we've got to ask, because what whatever we're doing to sacrifice or to surrender or do something, you know, or to to give up something or to bring something, um, if we're talking about what those motives are, then the the motive can't be to honor God if we don't have that, that relationship with him to begin with. And so if we're not saved, yeah. Anything else? Okay, well, let's keep moving. Uh, verse 7 says, And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Um, the cross-reference that I have on this one is just down a couple verses in Malachi 1.12, um, and it says, But ye have profaned it, in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even this meat, is contemptible. So um, it's, we, we know that the way that this is written by Malachi, it, it's, it's kind of a conglomeration of the feelings of the people, not necessarily a specific conversation that is being recorded in quotes from, uh, you know, from people having this conversation. But he's capturing the attitude of, of the people here who are going about these things, and they're, they're going about uh, these uh, practices that are not bringing honor to God, and they're clueless. They're clueless about the fact that that's the case um, in the sense that they're saying, what? This is fine. This, what, do you, what do you mean? This, the, what we're doing here is there's nothing wrong with what we're doing here, um, but uh, it's very clear, and it should be very obvious to them that they are violating what uh, what God has uh, intended for them. Um, here's another question, um, and this one I thought was probably one of the more interesting ones. Uh, how does this passage? challenge our understanding of God's love and grace? Um, does God's insistence on pure sacrifices seem harsh or judgmental to you? Mm -hmm. It's not anywhere near as full as that matter. And then when we 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So one of the things I think I think about in response to this question too is the uh, God. Sometimes I think we develop this this vision of who God is as being someone who is kind of passive and uh, very very forgiving about things and just you know hey you know. Uh, that's not exactly what I asked for, but hey, that, that, that's fine. And I think we just develop this false sense of who, who God is sometimes in just our imagination, not, you know, when, when we're not letting the Bible kind of tell us who God is and what his personality is, um, we start to just think of him as a, a, a kindly old grandfather. Um, if Mickey's grandfather got a card from him that was kind of half ripped on the side and didn't have everything done just right and spelled his name wrong and stuff, um, he'd say, you know what, that was a good try, buddy, thank you. You know, but that, that's, not, that's not the situation that we're talking about. We're talking about a, a, a pure and holy God who has given specific requirements and he expects and he demands obedience um, for those things. Um, and that might be different. I don't, I don't think in this church that, the, that probably people start to drift off thinking, thinking some of these wrong things about the, the personality of God. But within Christianity, there are probably those who do. And when they read things like this, it, it, should, ask, it should cause them to scratch their head and say, wait a minute, this, this isn't really aligned with some of the things that I've been hearing, some of the things that I've been thinking. And some people probably think, well, you know, that's because God hit reset on his personality come Matthew 1.1, and this is the end of Malachi, so we don't have to worry about it. No, God doesn't change. God doesn't change. He's the same uh, uh, yesterday and today and forever. So, um, Any other thoughts on verse 7 or that question? <clears throat> uh, yes, first Justin. Dave, you had something? Anyone else on verse 7? Yeah, Heidi. Yeah, and, and in essence, there is this idea that they're, when, when they're saying that their, their thoughts or methods or whatever it is override God, they're essentially putting themselves into the, the position of God themselves in, in, in their lives. No, that's good. Okay, let's move on to verse 8. Um, verse 8 says, and if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, 
is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. Um, so at the beginning of verse 8, it gives us an idea of that what, what, what types of things were, were going on. Is that we're bringing the blind for sacrifice, we're bringing the lame and the sick. And there are specific standards for sacrifices in case you, anyone's here saying, well, they probably just didn't know. They didn't know what they were supposed to bring. Um, uh, Deuteronomy 15, 21 says, if an animal has a defect, is lame or blind, or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. That's, that's pretty, pretty, pretty obvious. If they'd ever gotten a chance to glimpse at Deuteronomy, they, I think they'd be all set. But also in uh, Leviticus 22, um, verses 20 through 25, it says, But whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall you not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. And whatsoever offereth the sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a freewill offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be per perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein. Blind or broken or maimed or having a wen or scurvy or scabbed, ye shall not offer these things unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. Either a bullock or a lamb that hath anything superfluous or lacking in its parts, that mayest thou offer for a freewill offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. Um, ye shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut, neither shall you make any offering thereof in your land. Neither from a stranger's hand shall you offer the bread of your God to any of these, because their corruption is in them, and blemishes be in them, they shall not be accepted for you. So, the, again, this isn't something that uh, God was unclear with, that he wasn't very explicit about what it was that was required of them. Um, they're bringing these things, and my guess is, and uh, Bruce talks about the generational backsliding um, that, that people experience. My guess is, is that this was just like, you know what? We, uh, we brought something to the altar that was just a little not quite as good and actually slipped through and no one said anything. And I, I guess it was fine. No, you know, I didn't get any feedback, so I, I, I guess it was okay. And then another little bit, and then another little bit, the next time, the next year, the next, the next offering that was given. Maybe it was a little worse, but it was a little worse. And, was, and then I probably got to the point, yeah, you know what? This isn't really hurting me any. I, I can do all this sacrificing, and it doesn't, it doesn't cost me anything. I'm just going to keep on bringing the stuff that I didn't want anyway, and that's what I'm going to give to God. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a, a falling away that happened over time um, as, as people got uh, comfortable with, with uh, the small uh, inconsistencies that they were having, and they just let that grow and grow until it got to the point that it is. Heidi, did you have something? Right, right. And uh, the only thing I would say to that is that they, when, they, when they offered out of their hundred sheep, when they, they kept number one for themselves and gave number two instead, they didn't have to give the worst one. But as soon as they gave the not best one, they did miss the standard. And I think we're going to get into that in a little bit too, is, okay, now who's holding these people accountable? Because... Here, it's gotten out of hand. It's gotten way out of hand. But the first time that it happened is when it should have been addressed. And I think that that's the accountability that, that um, is going to be talked about here in, in another verse or two. Um, okay, the, the question that we had here is, um, and we, we kind of started to address this. I, I just wanted to dig into it a little bit more. In what ways might we be offering God blemish sacrifices today? Uh, how can we make sure that our worship is genuine and heartfelt um, the, the one that I was thinking about here is, 
and this is maybe for myself, anything that feels like God gets the leftovers. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as you were saying, Leah was saying earlier, that if we're scheduling our time and saying, you know what, once every, all the pieces fall into place, there we go, I got a little window to do my devotions today. Or if all the Jenga pieces get into Jenga? Is that the right thing? No. What am I talking about? Tetris. Jenga. <laughs> There's pieces in Jenga, but it doesn't make any sense in this analogy. Um, and, and the Tetris pieces fall into place. And if, oh, that, that window on a Sunday evening is still open, then that's great. Let's go to church. Um, you know, but if, 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 if those things, and you know what? No one would know. No one would necessarily know that that's how you're ordering your life, right? That you're ordering your life where God's allowed to get the, the, the leftovers when they happen to work out. No one knows if you're, uh, how, how you're giving, but are you giving, are you giving first? And let's not even talk about percentages, but are you giving, saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to give, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to, you know what, that comes before the mortgage and comes before everything else? Or is it, you know what, I'm going to check and see what's in the bank account on Saturday night, and uh, yeah, I, I'll, if I'll decide at that point whether there's something to give or something not to give. And you know what, we receive the gift, and the, let's say the deacons would receive a gift, and we'd say, hey, we're, we're just happy that something came in. We don't know anything about your heart. We don't know anything about the way you're doing it. Only you and God know how you are arranging that. And so to me, those are things that would be... Um, polluting the, and blemishing those sacrifices, but no one would really know about it except for, for yourself and, and God. Um, and it's hard for other people to hold you accountable to, to those things because they don't necessarily know. Are you giving God your leftovers? Are you giving him the first cut? Um, any other thoughts on that? Yeah. You kind of touched on it, but I was thinking of the examination. You know, when you read those Old Testament passages, mm -hmm. Seeing a scab would not necessarily be an easy thing on the feet. Mm -hmm. You would have to go picking through the wool and see if you could find a scab or see if you could find a little cut, mm -hmm. find a little blemish that would disqualify that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, you, as you were reading that, uh, I was thinking about our giving. You know, how often do we really, does it just become automatic? what we could, what we should, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, just pray about it before we actually do it, mm -hmm. instead of just becoming that, uh, you know, once every week or two weeks or whatever, mm -hmm. we write a check. Mm -hmm. And there's, that's the whole thought process. Mm -hmm. Write a check. Mission, five, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. write a check. Uh, and maybe there ought to be some examination papers in there. So hmm. you already spoke Oh, that's great. No, that's great. That's good stuff. Anyone else? Thoughts? Um, how are we polluting our sacrifices? How, are we, how might we be uh, giving blemished sacrifices? Go ahead, Justin. great. And again, there's nothing wrong with the actual act of doing that, but if you're saying, okay, this is, this, this, this counts as my interaction with God, I'll just squeeze it in when I, when I can find a, a couple square minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Leah.
Yeah, and you can you can you can see how there's there's this idea of and maybe this idea of people giving the sacrifices and Bruce touched on it as well and having it be something that's just been routine and it's something that we've we've been doing and never really considering how should this how should this change over time how how should this keep going because that that could be another another thing again the the subconscious lack of attention could be one of the things that is polluting the, the, the sacrifices that, that we're giving today. I, I think that's great. It's nothing I thought of before coming tonight. I appreciate the thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but not taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you. Um, yeah, that's another thing that we wouldn't people might not necessarily know. How, how often do you take advantage of the opportunities? But when God sets something in your path, are you doing something with it? Um, that's 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 great. Great thought. Yeah. Great. Um, let's keep on rolling. Um, uh, let's go to verse 9. And I'm going to admit, I think it's a little hard to hear the tone in this, this verse. Um, and I'm going to butcher it in the way that I'm saying it too. <clears throat> and now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will, will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? So what that's, I, I, the way that this, this reads is, so you know that this isn't okay. You know this isn't, wouldn't be okay for somebody else. Do you think that God will accept this? And the, answer, the, uh, the not spoken answer to this is, of, cor of course not, that God wouldn't, uh, wouldn't accept sacrifices this way. Um, Jeremiah 27, 18 says, <clears throat> But if they be prophets, and if the word of the Lord be with them, let them now make intersection to the Lord of hosts, that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem go not to Babylon. Um, and again, I think this is uh, just, just talking about the fact that, um, that, that there's, there's a standard that God has and that God expects, and he has things that he expects from us. Um, why don't we just go ahead and move on to verse 10. Uh, it says... Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, said the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. And here, uh, this is maybe, again, hard to, to, to quite understand what, what's, what's happening here. Is He's asking the priests, who was at the door when these things were coming in? There, you guys were here. You guys were seeing this happening. Who, who's, who's the one who's at the altar? Who's the one who's lighting the altar for this? Because what, you might be saying, well, the people, the people, the people are, are bringing all this stuff. And I'm asking you, priests, where were you? Where were, where were you? None of this happened without your, without your oversight. And so the priests are, are responsible. And really, as we see through the remainder of this uh, this section of Malachi, which we're going to get to in the next uh, week or, or so, you're going to see that this, this, uh, this really turns to the, the priests and what, what they were allowing because they were responsible to make sure that the people were doing what they were supposed to do and that they understood what they were supposed to do. People are responsible to obey, but the priests are responsible to make sure that things were being done right and that... Um, when people were doing wrong, that they were being corrected for it. Um, and 
and, and, and we should also be, uh, be clear, too, some, some of this stuff might have been just pure garbage that we didn't want in our, in a, in our house at all. It could have been, uh, you know, terrible stuff. It also could have been that stuff that was almost, almost good, almost, it was, it was second best. And I just thinking, it's not like, well, hey, you know, this thing that I brought, it costs about 80% as much as a pure offering would. So God, shouldn't you be about 80% as happy with the, uh, with the thing that I brought? And that's not, the, that's not the way that this works. God's saying, look, if you brought me anything than the best, it, that was a total waste. I mean, you probably should have brought nothing. You probably should have done, done nothing. I don't, want, I don't want anything that isn't the best. You brought it to me. What do you, how do you think that I received it? Unless you're just completely ignorant to the way that this all works and that you're not even thinking about it when you're coming and bringing the stuff. But you're, you're making some sort of investment in this. You're thinking that, some, that you're giving away some value because you're thinking you're getting something out of it. But let me be clear, that meant nothing to me. Um, that was a waste. That if it was your second best lamb, that could have been something that you could have enjoyed and done something with. Um, but when you gave it to me, it was nothing. It didn't. It didn't count for anything because you didn't obey. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. Um, Jeremiah uh, six twenty says, "To what purpose cometh there me incense from Sheba, and the sweet came from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable." nor your sacrifice sweet unto me. Another one is from Isaiah 43, uh, 22 and 20, through 24. It says, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with their sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast bought bought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins, thou hast wearied me with thy iniquities. And when we bring our sins to God, God is gracious, and he is willing, and he wants to hear about it, he wants us to to bring our sins to him, but when we're in this constant state of disregard and disobedience, and we're bringing stuff to him, he goes, that's just making me tired. I'm just tired of what I keep on getting from you guys. I need to, to know that you're, that you're honoring me. But if, if you are, that's a totally different story. If you're honoring me, then you bring your, you, you tell me your iniquities, and w- there is forgiveness, there is mercy, there's grace. All that stuff exists. But when you have no regard for me, then that's just making me exhausted. Um, is what I'm hearing here. Um, and then in Micah 6.3, it says, Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein uh, have I wearied thee? Testify against me. And I, again, that is just, I, I, that, that God is, uh, is, is demonstrating, at, le- at least in the way that this, this language is put together, that um, these sacrifices and these things that are coming, um, this is, this isn't doing anything for me. In fact, I'm just getting exhausted of seeing it happening over and over again. Um, uh, any, any other? Well, let's 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 just uh, try to see if we can answer this question quick. Um, this is from the chat bot. Um, what can we learn from the priests in this passage about the dangers of going through the motions in our worship? Um, we've talked about the fact that we're giving our less than perfect. But what happens when we start just going through the motions? Yeah, Bruce. Lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Lukewarm, right, right. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also just just tells us we. I was going through um, our uh, discipleship book earlier today, and we came across just um, how we should be, how what our attitude should be towards our our pastors and uh, those who are in authority over us, and just how important it is to to honor what they say and to give them love and respect because when it comes down to it they've they've got the they've got the weight of the the things that that we are doing and the things that we are doing uh poorly they've got that on their shoulders and 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 there's an accountability there that god's saying what are you doing about it what are you doing about it and so if our pastor is yammering in our ear about all the stuff that we're doing in our lives, it's just like, you know what? No, that's, that's a big deal. We've got to respect that because, you know what? He, he's he's going to be held to task for the fact that we, we haven't been doing what we're supposed to do. This isn't him just saying, I want to butt in and I want to invade your privacy and I want to do all this. This is him saying, God's holding me responsible for the way that you're living your life. As long as you're a member of this church, this is something that I, that I need to do. I, I hate making these phone calls. I hate having to do this, but I will do it out of obedience to God and to be knowing that that's, that's the attitude that some of those things come from. So, um, I'm going to hit verse 11 and not ask for any other comments for one minute, and we'll see if we can make it. Uh, verse 11 says, From the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and every place incense shall be offered unto my name in a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen, said the Lord of hosts. And that just seems like a normal throwaway verse. It's just kind of like throwing it out there. You know, we hear it from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Yes, we get it, right? No, this is huge. To this audience, this would have been a massive, massive thing, especially, okay, you got to just, just remember the context here. Stuck in Babylon, couldn't get to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the place. Jerusalem's the place that we have to do all the sacrifices, all the offerings, all the incense, all that has to happen in Jerusalem. What do we got to do? We got to build. We got to rebuild. We got to get it going, all this stuff. And these people, put their life into trying to make sure that this was the place where this was happening. They weren't doing a good job of it, but at least they knew that this is the place. Jerusalem's the place where all this is supposed to happen. But this says, from the rising of the sun, even the going down of the same. Now that is a figurative language that's used in a number of places in the Bible to mean from as far as the east is to the west, from, the, from where, the, where the sun comes up to the, where the sun goes down. That's just encompassing the entire world. Um, it says, my name will be great. And it'll be great among the Jews? Oh, wait, no, among the Gentiles. The Gentiles. And in every place, we're talking all the way from this side to this side, which we know connects on the other side, um, is, uh, is that, that is where the incense shall be offered in my name and pure offerings are, are going to be given. Um, these guys, when they're hearing this, they should have knocked them out of their chairs. That, that, that his name is going to be great among the heathen. Among the heathen? No, this is, this is our God. This is, this is the, 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 the people of Israel. This is our thing. And what are you saying, Malachi? I, I'm sure he's not making many friends here. <laughs> and he's saying, look, at some point, the sacrifices, offerings, um, the uh, incense, all of that stuff all over the place. And people all over the world are going to be um, worshiping your name worshiping the name of God. Um, I, I will say that the uh, commentaries that I've read suggest that this is um, talking about how things are going to be on earth during the millennial reign. That, that could be. It could be that it's, it's, it's talking about just the way that things are post-Christ and how things have moved on to the Gentiles. And there are people right today 
um, who are meeting all over the world and who are worshiping in in uh, the in in proper ways all around the world. I I, I don't I don't really know, but the the thing is definitely for that audience, uh, they they should have been blown away um, by these statements. Um, they knew that it was talking about something that was going to be happening in the future, and I'm sure that it would have knocked them out of their seats. Um, any other comments as we wrap this up? I love being called a heathen. There you go. <laughs> Christ died for me. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. 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 No, that's great. Thank you. Any any other closing thoughts? Okay.